0: on this episode of the break in the game show austin and i get into the nba trade deadline and all the moves that happened around that time we talk about a lot of teams that are in contention and even some that aren't so you're not going to want to miss this episode thank you guys so much for tuning in we'll be right back with you after this break (laughs) Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking the Game Show here on the Nothing But Nat channel on Dash Radio. I'm Stephen Gillespie, and joining me, as he always does, is my good friend, Austin Carr. Austin, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, Stephen? I'm excited to
1: be here. We've got a really fun episode. You know, I've been looking forward to this. Um, you know, another nice Sunday. Happy to be doing this with you. Got some some good news on the college
0: basketball front. My IU Hoosiers got Mike Woodson as their yeah. new head coach. I'm pretty happy about that. What do you like about Mike Woodson being a, a Hoosier coach now? Uh, for
1: one, I think the fan base will accept him because he played there and he played for that team that went undefeated in '76, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a lot of coaching experience in the NBA, which I think is is going to bring, you know, a, a level of knowledge, you know, to the program that should help, and you know, I think it'll help recruiting for sure because you know here's a here we have a, a coach that knows exactly what the NBA is looking for. He's been there for quite a while
0: coaching in the NBA. So I think it, it helps the program on a lot of different levels. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And you look at guys like Patrick Ewing and, you know, Juwan Howard, what they're I doing know. in college right now in year one. And it's uh, pretty remarkable just to see how quickly they have turned around their respective organizations. they you know, just overall being at their alma maters and stuff like that. This is just another instance of, you know, that same scenario playing out for Indiana, and right. this is a pretty storied franchise too, right, Austin? Yeah, they, you know they have uh, five national titles. It's been quite
1: a while since they they won one, but they are the, also the last college program to have an undefeated season all the way through. So there's there's a lot of history. You know, Bob Knight did a lot of bad things, but
0: he won a lot. So winning winning kind of covers up everything. It's the best deodorant, as they say. There you go. I mean and Gonzaga right now looks like they might be giving that, yeah. you know, undefeated thing a run for its money. They look pretty I good so right too. now. Yeah, they do. I'm I'm I wouldn't be
1: surprised. But at the same time, you know, as much talents on that team, you know.
0: Somebody's gonna do it sometime, might as well be them. Yeah, I mean, it's like you just said, it's it's got to be somebody. But we got a great show lined up today. We're not going to be talking about college basketball, nope. but that's just a, a fun little icebreaker that we had today. And uh, yep. before we get going into the trade deadline special, is what we're calling this episode. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to be recapping everything that took place from, you know chicago bulls reloading their roster even to the utah jazz adding my uh, matt thomas and what we think that's going to break down so mm-hmm. and to be honest with you guys up front this is probably going to last longer than the time slot that we have available here on the nothing but net channel on dash radio want to remind everybody that if you want to listen to the full episode you'll have to go to anywhere podcasts are available and look for breaking the game and you'll see mm-hmm. you know the basketball and the headphones and all that fun stuff and you know, you'll get to listen to the extended cut, the Snyder cut almost there for, for the show. So um, and hey, before we the Snyder cut, I'm cool with that. Hey, man. Yeah. And I mean, that was a great movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. I could do a whole podcast on that, but we won't there do it go. tonight. But, but um, before we get going today, want to remind everybody that support for Breaking the Game is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. You're looking and listening to two of them right now. And we have an exclusive offer for our listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the code BTG, which stands for Breaking the game. And that's at manscaped.com. So BTG at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Austin, that's a deal deal, right? Oh, that sounds
1: like a uh, you know no brainer, which is like I always say, just how I like it. You know, three easy letters, BTG for breaking the game for that code gets you twenty percent off and free shipping. I mean, that's a heck of a deal. Why wouldn't you? I
0: it beats the head. Stuff Works be- great. It's not expensive. You know, and you get a deal for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm wearing the boxers right now, Austin. When there we you go. when when they send our, our deals to kind of promote like the products and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I love the boxers so much that I went to manscape.com entered in the code BTG to save myself a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. And I went and got six more pairs of the boxers. They're Very the most nice. comfortable briefs I've ever worn. So hey. sounds like a perfect, pretty good, uh, pretty good idea there. Right on, right on. All right. So now Austin, I would like to resume with our trade deadline special. And mm-hmm. we're basically going to be breaking this down in order from, Trades that we feel are going to impact the lead the most, down to I won't say least important, but not as big of an impact or an influence. So if you're right. listening to us on the radio right now, you're going to hear the big ones. And if you're if you're NBA nerds like Austin and I are, you're going to want to hear about the Utah Jazz trading for Matt Thomas and what we think that's going to do right. for the NBA right now. But Austin, the Chicago Bulls that acquired they acquired Nikola Vucevic, Al Faruk Daniel Tyson, Javante green. What did you think about the moves that took place for Chicago to look like they're going to improve a little bit in the standings right now? Definitely. Um, You know, this is kind of something that we have been waiting on
1: ever since this new regime took over. Uh, Arturis Karnasovis in the front office has kind of you know has yet to really put his stamp on this team until now. Obviously, drafting Patrick Williams number four when there was a lot of other names, people would have probably taken over him was one move, but it seems to have worked out to some extent so far. And I mean, you want to talk about a deal that it it serves both sides really well, I think, in this instance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I mean the Bulls couldn't have made out better. Otto Porter Jr. is in the last year of a $28 million contract. So the money matched up really easily because of that and the fact that he's completely fallen out of, of the rotations in Chicago. It just hasn't worked out. Wendell Carter Jr. was a guy who was drafted to be kind of the defensive help for a team that's, you know, he is worse on defense when he's on the floor, to, to, to just put it plainly. Um, hasn't been what the Bulls expected. Um, Thank you.
0: Appreciate that, Mo. Shout That's out really to nice. Mo Murphy, VP at the Off the Ball Network just came in to say BTG a top-notch show out right now. I very we we appreciate that a lot, Mo. That means a lot coming from a guy like you, man. It does, really. And then, you know, Alfuruk Aminu,
1: Aminu is no slouch on the defensive end, so mm-hmm. he can come in and help that he'll help the defense a little bit. And I don't know if you remember Stephen when we talked about the Bulls and Zach Levine and. I mentioned more than once how I think they needed a a little bit more experience on this team and they needed to get him a running mate that's over the age of like 23.
0: (laughs) Correct. Here you go.
1: You know, from all reports, Nick Vucevic is a a pro's pro is what I heard him called the other day. Yeah. And, you know, he's versatile. I think him and Levine on offense together is going to be something to watch out for. And if we're being completely honest, if you look at the way the league is this year, You know, even the best defensive teams are among some of the worst when you look in terms of numbers all time. I mean, there's two of the three worst defenses are in this season currently, and it's turning into an arms race. You know, who can who can get more offense and more weapons on the floor at one time and, and at all times? And so Vucevic isn't, you know, your rim protecting lockdown defender at center, but he's not, you know, terrible. So I think it's a great move for the Bulls. And then if you look at the other side, the Magic are obviously going into a rebuild. They Mm -hmm. get the first round pick this year, which may not be as valuable. It may. I mean, the Bulls may still not make the playoffs and it it turns into a lottery pick. And then in 2023, who knows? By 2023, this could not work and both these guys could be gone and they could be in the middle of a, a huge rebuild because they've got a lot of money now tied up into guys that you know, are going to have to produce at this point. And if they don't, you know, that 2023 pick could be really valuable. So uh, I think this this trade was surprising. It kind of sent me a shockwave a little bit. I didn't see it coming, mm-hmm. but it makes sense and it, and it works for both sides for sure.
0: Yeah. We actually had Mo Murphy, who just came in and, and gave us some, you know, really kind words about our show. Yes, he, he came on, on our second half prediction show and predicted that the Bulls were going to make a move. He didn't really say or, he really couldn't put a finger on the pulse and say who, but that he felt that they were going to make a move to climb up in the ranks. And a lot of people uh, were writing in and commenting in on the show saying the Bulls aren't really going to go anywhere. And I think a move like Vucevic and, you know, we talked about Al Minu, Daniel Tice, Javante Green, in a separate move that they made too. They also brought in Shory Brown Jr. from the Wizards who had a pretty decent run in the bubble. And I think gives him some good wing depth to go along, you know, Denzel Valentine. And they gave up Chandler Hutchinson, who they drafted a few years back out of Boise State, hasn't really done much. I think Troy Brown Jr. might be a good addition for that team. He actually had a good debut, put up, I think, eight points against the Spurs, and a pretty terrible loss for their first time running the floor together. But you got to build chemistry, you got to figure things out. I like the move as well, though, Austin. I mean, you get rid of Daniil Gafford, who he went to Washington and had a heck of a game, and he's a fellow. Razorback and real quick shout out to the University of Arkansas for advancing go. to the Elite Eight. I was just
1: Mention really I mean,
0: proud of those guys, but give them a shout out. Yeah, absolutely. You know they they got rid of Wendell Carter Jr., who I still have pretty decent hopes for, and I think going to Orlando might help him out a little bit, kind of like what Markel Fultz had to do when he left Philadelphia. And you know if he can stay healthy, I think Wendell Carter Jr. will be a good addition down there to play with. RJ Hampton, who they just got back from the Denver Nuggets in a separate trade that we'll talk about here in a little bit. They have Cole Anthony. They got Jonathan Isaacs. They got Okiki, who I'm really high on. Some people still believe in Mo Bamba. I'm not going to give my take on that right now, but I don't know. Chicago, all these moves that they made, right now they're, what, 10th in the Eastern Conference right now at 19 and 25. I think best case scenario, they get up to about 6th. Realistically, I think they're anywhere from seven to Seven or eight right now. What I do you think, think? A, a finish outside of the playing tournament for them. If they could get up to that six spot, which is I think very doable with this roster, if things. Did I lose you, Austin? I oh, know. I think I lost my buddy. All right, so I'm not sure what happened with Austin. Yeah, oh. are you back? Yep, I'm back. <laughs> I
1: don't know what happened. I'm sure. I think it was my internet drop for a second. Sorry about oh, okay. that.
0: No, it's fine. You were mentioning that you feel like anything outside of the play in tournament is probably gonna be a disappointment.
1: Uh, no, I I think if they make it into into the sixth seed, which is doable, then mm-hmm. they'd be ecstatic. I think the play in tournament's very realistic. If they miss the playoffs, then uh, you know, that's a would be a disaster. I don't
0: I don't really see that happening. Mm-hmm. You know, right now Charlotte's in fourth. Uh, lamello balls out so just pause right there charlotte's fourth in the eastern conference right now who would have ever thought it right that's insane I think before before the draft and before
1: the um gordon hayward deal i picked them i think 14th
0: eventually out of 15 in the east i just yeah i think, think i had, had them like like or 13th. They, yeah they've they've proven me wrong for sure I had the Knicks dead last, so what do I know, right? So
1: I I, I had the Knicks <laughs> I think I've kind of forced myself to put the Knicks a little bit higher just because of who we work with and I don't yeah. want to be mean. But <laughs> hey, I'm happy that
0: we were underestimating them for sure. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, my rankings were before, you know, the free agency and and, and trade or excuse mm-hmm. me, the draft. So I have a little bit of an excuse built in there. Like uh, a, just the,
1: the one thing I was going to finish with with this trade for the Bulls' point of view is is they've done a lot of of developing guys the last few years. They've gotten quite a few high draft picks that are supposed to develop into these great guys. They needed to to get somebody that's proven already, uh, to, to, uh, you know, now kind of for the fan base. I think to legitimize their chances this year and going forward. You know, this makes them a lot more relevant than they were before this deal, and I, I just kind of always felt like it was a matter of time once Billy Donovan came in before they made a move for a more proven guy to to bring in.
0: Yeah, and that and that's a fair point. And like you said, too, someone who's a who can come in and be a grown up in the room. Not yeah. only do they get a grown up in Vucevic, but I think Alpha Rukminiu mm-hmm. comes in. I was a little bit. I don't want to say skeptical, but it didn't make sense to have Alpharuka Minu on this team alongside uh Thaddeus Young. To me, they feel kind of redundant. Yeah. I'm kind of curious yeah. to see how much running or how much playing time both of those guys get. Maybe they even line up together for a you know mm-hmm. small ball lineup. Who knows what that wicked what they can do with that.
1: There you
0: go. You know, a little bit of versatility underneath Billy Donovan. But um and I just want to point out too that I put up a poll on Twitter
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I listed a couple teams and had people vote in, but the winner of the trade deadline, according to NBA Twitter right now, Austin, is Chicago. Are you yeah. surprised by that? No, I, I I would I actually voted on your poll, just okay. Full
1: disclosure. Um, and you know, I'm not surprised by the outcome at all. Uh I think it it would almost be a little bit of a stretch to pick just about anybody else because you know, this guy's a bona fide all-star that's teaming up with the best the, the best offensive, you know, teammate he's ever played with for sure. And I think vice versa. I think this, this could, if it works out, I mean, if it doesn't, whatever, you know, back to the drawing board for Chicago again, I'm sure they're, you know, they, <laughs> they've, they Kobe White still might pan out, you know, Lowry marketing still having a fairly good year. Um, you know, they'll have some money. I think if, if all this doesn't work out for them in the next year or two, um, but if it does work out, I think it's going to be a beautiful thing. So um, I think it would almost be a stretch to call any of these other other trades. Uh, at least at the day of the trade deadline when it happened, this at face value is the biggest
0: for sure. And I want to point out one kind of flaw that I that I look at with these deals. As I was evaluating this trade in the moment, I felt mm-hmm. like this was a you know a home run hit, and I still do. But I think keeping Lowry marketing instead of trying to go in for a Lonzo Ball deal with the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. And the other day, they started against the Spurs. They started Lowry marketing and Nikola Vucevic alongside one another. And to me, that's kind of like a a death sentence defensively, right? Like, neither one of these guys are rim protectors. Neither one of these guys are extremely athletic. I just think that in the Eastern Conference, what they did was they added Vucevic and then keeping marketing, they're just kind of saying, hey, let's just try our best to outscore everybody in defense." You know, we'll, my, we'll try to be clutch in the fourth quarter. My thought on that is kind of similar. I I, I like the idea of, of
1: moving him for Lonzo, but they're both going to be free agents,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know, at the end of the year and they can take the money maybe that they were going to spend on, on marketing and try to go after Lonzo that way, because I, I'm sure the Pelicans were going to actually move Lonzo. They wanted, you know, a pick or some kind of draft asset attached mm-hmm. to a player. And it's always, anytime you hear a guy's name, floated as much as you do like with Lonzo and like with Kyle Lowry and then they don't get moved 99% of the time it's because the asking price was pretty high for something that the team that the teams that were interested knew was
0: going to be a rental yeah and just to be upfront and transparent you're going to hear more about Lonzo and Lowry towards the end of the show when we talk about our players that we were most surprised that didn't get moved but Austin I feel like that adequately Covers our Chicago sure. Bulls trade right now. And we'll move on to what I consider to be the biggest contender for the the best trade deadline move. And that's the Denver Nuggets acquiring mm-hmm. one Aaron Gordon, also coming from the Orlando Magic. So Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark, who oddly enough, all three Garys that play in the NBA were traded yep. <laughs> on the same day. And so that was interesting. Each other. Yep. And Gary Harris was traded alongside RJ Hampton and a protected 2025 first round pick to Orlando in exchange for Aaron Gordon. Now also Austin earlier in, in the, in the week, um, the nuggets acquired will reacquired JaVale McGee from Cleveland. And all they had to do was send Isaiah Hartenstein in two seconds. One's a 2023 protected. The other one's a unprotected 2027 second round pick. Mm -hmm. Now with Denver being fifth in the Western conference at 27 and 18 at the time of this recording, how do you feel about adding Aaron Gordon to the Denver Nuggets Austin well if you look at this
1: both you know moves both acquisitions together with JaVale McGee and Aaron Gordon I'm I love it I mean I love the Aaron Gordon move I think it's I think it's a good move um I'm a little surprised that they gave up RJ Hampton you know maybe Was they just, not
0: expecting maybe that couldn't at all.
1: uh you know upgrade the the supposed value of bowl Bowl enough to make him seem you know like enough, I guess, because mm-hmm. if I'm, if I'm Denver, I would, there's a lot of guys I would have given up young you know, players on that roster before RJ Hampton. I think he's got a lot of potential, but obviously, you know, they're, they want to win their timelines, you know, fairly in the next few years, basically they've got Jokic playing at his, at probably his peak. Um, you know, Jamal Murray is going to be coming into that, you know, physical peak kind of age, range here in the next season or two you've got michael porter jr on the way up and now you add an aaron gordon who i think is one it's awesome that he's gonna wear number 50 uh <laughs> you know in ode to the dunk contest let's let's yeah. be honest like the, the, either way you look at that dunk contest both guys deserved it that was incredible but uh that whole thing so i don't really have an opinion either way there um, gary gordon, harris gordon was robbed overrated yeah yeah i, I can see that I think Gary Harris has been overrated for quite a few seasons. To be honest, he can't stay healthy. Yeah. He looks the part and looks like everything you'd want out of that two guard position. Defensively, he can shoot. He's athletic. He's got size, and it just doesn't translate on the court yeah. like you'd expect. And I think he's a great teammate. And it's funny. I'm I see the you know the Denver Nugget fan groups on Facebook posting. I mean, one tribute to him after another, <laughs> and how much they're going to miss the guy. And it's like he was injured half the time he was there mm-hmm. and okay, i guess he's just uh, he was a fan favorite so he, he's a you know a great teammate but i think they they won't miss him in the long run and if, if they can put out some pretty uh interesting lineups now with Aaron Gordon out there i mean i think i think he's so versatile defensively um on this team he's not going to have to do more than than what he can you know what i mean he's going yeah, to be get his strength And JaVale McGee, I think is one of the most underrated parts of this whole thing Mm -hmm. because now they've got a athletic defensive rim protecting center that can protect Jokic a little bit. And they're, they've got a a lot more size and athleticism up front with him there. And I mean, I, I, I didn't, I I agreed with the moves at the beginning of the year and and it is what it is, but it's looking like the Lakers made a mistake letting go of of him and and Dwight Howard and making the moves that they did in that situation because both those guys are still having, you know, really impressive years. And I I think Denver's defense has got to improve with these moves. Um, You know, it gives them another weapon for sure. Offensively on the break, you know, like I said, it's a, it's an arms race.
0: Yeah, hands down, and I like the moves as well. I mean, when you consider that the Nuggets, they got rid of a lot of their front court depth. I mean, they got you know Mason Plumlee, who oddly enough, a lot of people weren't expecting them to miss. It, it turns out that they that they do now, mm-hmm. and we've seen what Jeremy Grant is doing in Detroit alongside of Plumlee. Right. And I think adding Aaron Gordon gives this team a little bit of what Jeremy Grant meant for yep. this team. I think Aaron Gordon has to be locked in defensively because this is a team that uh, that offensively speaking they're good already you know when they bring in Aaron Gordon and there were times in Orlando too where he was when he was locked in defensively you could see flashes that he could be a very versatile defender agreed he's, he's going to have to do this in in the western conference i mean he will probably be the guy Austin that lines up opposite Anthony Davis you think i i would say in the in, in my
1: estimation he would be the, the best you know, decision there. I don't know how the size advantage for, for Davis would affect him. Aaron Gordon seems like he's a pretty strong athletic guy. He'd probably be able mm-hmm. to hold his own. Anthony Davis isn't really a banger either. So, you know, I, I think it would, it would be a, a solid matchup for, for Denver's favor. Um, he definitely, you hit the nail on the head. I think he's kind of a maybe a poor man's uh, Jeremy Grant for what he's been this year, mm-hmm. but compared to the role Jeremy Grant played for Denver last year, I think Aaron Gordon can come in and play that role, you know, equally as well if not better in terms of the numbers that Grant put up for Denver last year. And then, you know, on top of that, it's it's so clogged right there in the west in the middle there. I mean, yeah. with the Lakers injuries, I think a lot of teams are are kind of just trying to load up to, you know, make a run as a, at as high of a seed as they can get because it's wide open now in the west, I think.
0: Well, other yeah, than, you- other than probably Utah and you consider the the teams that are that are head of Denver right now, right? Like the Lakers, we talked about Anthony Davis, you know, rumor has it that they have Andre Drummond secured. Now you, you consider that the Clippers have, you know, Ivacha Zubac and Serge Ibaka, that the that the Suns have, you know, Aiton and the Jazz have Rudy Gobert. It makes a lot of sense for Denver to get a defensive minded center. To yes. play alongside Nikola Jokic. 100%. And I think that they can share the floor together due to, you know, Jokic's offensive versatility. You know, he, he can stand all the way out to the three point line, and you have to you know, protect him. I mean, imagine a Jokic McGee pick and roll off. And how do you think, how fun do you think that was going to be? That, that'll that be interesting. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see
1: the, the high low stuff, maybe high post low post kind of stuff mm-hmm. that they could do with those guys. And, you know, JaVale McGee is, can look really impressive when, when those, some of those plays work out that he ends up on Shaq in a fool for sometimes it's been <laughs> quite a few years since he's done anything too bad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's so, been, He's been marginalized in places like, you know, Los Angeles and Golden State, probably to his benefit. I think
1: the the roles that he's played with Golden State and with the Lakers have shown a ton of maturity from him compared to where he used to be, because all the Lakers needed from him was him to be engaged and mm-hmm. do what they told him to do and nothing more. And then he, and he played that role perfectly for them and never, there was never an issue in the series against Houston when he didn't play at all, it was not a big deal. And in the next series, when they played him a ton, he, he stepped up when they needed him to. So I think Denver made a couple really nice moves to try to win now in, in a West that, you know, is definitely not, looking like what a lot of people expected it to look like. And if you look up and down the both sides of the playoffs, you know, standings right now, everywhere you look, there's the the teams have good big men and you're Mm going to have to be able to defend a good playmaking or scoring type big man, just about every team you see, including now, you know, the, the nets with who they've added. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's imperative that you have the defensive center like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if I'm Mike Malone and I have McGee and Jokic, I'm showing them film of, you know, Lamar Odom with Pau Gasol and Andrew Bynum and saying, hey, look, like this is some of the, you know, play style and schematics that we can incorporate to this offense to, give our team a look that you're probably not going to be able to prepare for against any other team, right? Go show them the old Houston Rockets tape when they had Ralph Sampson and Hakeem Olajuwon. There you go. There you or, go. Or the Spurs
1: with Tim Duncan and David Robinson. Yeah. You know, it's not the same level of talent, but some famous big men that played well together.
0: Yeah, and the reason I bring up Lamar Odom obviously is the playmaking ability that he has, and I think that that's pretty comparable sure. to Nikola Jokic. But yeah, I mean, Sampson, we could put Jokic at point guard if they wanted to. I think in a lineup, and I don't, I'd be okay with it. Absolutely, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad at it either. And now, Austin, I feel like we, anything else you want to touch on for the Denver? No, I,
1: I, I'm excited to see what it, what happens with that trade, though. I, I, I I've always liked Aaron Gordon. He's an intriguing. When he puts it all together, and I think like you said, being in the Western Conference, he's going to have to bring it more often. But I mm-hmm. think he will because he's on a team that he knows is going somewhere versus stuck in, you know, eighth or ninth or 10th place every year on a team where, he you know, you may not even finish the season. I think he's going to have hopefully a renewed, you know, sense of urgency there.
0: Yeah, I mean, giving it 100 percent all year long only to end up being a seventh, eighth seed perennially every season you know and everybody around you gets hurt <laughs> correct that's enough to drive people crazy mm-hmm. all right now the next the next trade that we want to look at this took third place in the poll that i put up on twitter right. is the miami heat now i don't necessarily think that they got the best player but f- what the reason i hear about the the reason that i heard miami might be in the running for best trade deadline moves when you look at them all together, it was because of what they did not give up to bring right. in players that they got. Right. They brought in Victor Oladipo from Houston. And we talked about on our last show with coach fall, just kind of the, um, the downfall of the Houston Rockets, so to speak right now, but they sent Avery Bradley, who has been a disappointment. I really like that ad for them in the off season. I thought bringing him in as a point of attack defender was really smart, but it just hasn't worked out. Right. They sent out Kelly Olenek. In a 2021 first-round pick swap, so they the Heat still have a first-round pick that season. It's just going to be the lower of the two between them and Houston. And, and then Houston they also brought the in keeping that pick. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, most just, likely. It's nice though to say that. Oh, hey, we can trade picks, you right? Know, if, you but know, that's part of what, what the point we're going to make here about this is. <laughs> yeah, and then um, they also from from the Sacramento Kings they brought in Nemanja B. Litsa, and they gave up Maurice Harkless, who was another disappointing signing from this past offseason, and also Chris Eva who not really a, a bad player, just a guy who's buried on a very deep and talented Miami Heat team. And mm-hmm. Austin is pretty curious that you look at the names that Miami could have right now if they weren't just so in love with Tyler Hero and guys mm-hmm. like uh, a Okpala, players like that, who. You know, Akpala in particularly, like he doesn't get any playing time, but the Heat really like him and want to keep him. Right. And then Tyler Hero, I mean, this guy has been linked to a whole bunch of trades. Uh, one guy that we'll talk about later that you want to discuss in particular, he was linked to that deal, and Miami said, no, we're not doing that. And we all know about the chronicled Miami in the hunt for James Harden, but they just did not want to give up Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson for him. Right. But with all of these trades that happened to Austin, the, the Heat right now, I believe, are in the 8th eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. They've lost like six straight at the time of this recording. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about these moves for for Miami?
1: I think Miami's poised to to make some noise here in the second half of the season. Uh not just because of this move, but they missed a lot of time with Jimmy Butler yes and let's be honest he's the heart and soul of that team as good as BAM is as as much as BAM means to that offense and as much as they love Tyler Hero and everybody else there and the culture is so important like the leader of that culture right now is Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. and he missed a lot of time and when, when he's back and they, they looked they kind of made a little bit of a run there for a minute when he came first came back and then like you said they've struggled now recently but adding Victor Oladipo no, he's not efficient. No, he's not the All Star level Depot he was two years ago in Indiana before he ruptured his, uh, you know, quad. Mm-hmm. No, he's not worth a, a max extension, which is the main reason that the Pacers got rid of him in the first place. But he's still averaging almost 21 points a game this year. Yeah, he still shows flashes of when of the the ability for moments at a time to take over on offense. He's still a capable defender. He's another weapon for a a guy who I've learned too many times over not to question what Pat (laughs) Riley thinks and says and does Mm -hmm. because this time or bubble season flashed during the bubble. Everyone was saying, well, there's no way they're going to be able to eventually pay hero and Duncan Robinson when they become free agents and they're in love with these guys. And yeah, they look great, but they're going to, garner so much money in free agency. I don't think Duncan Robinson has, has done much to improve his, his free agency, you know, value this season down year up to this point. And.
0: Oh, I think I lost my buddy again
1: into my, at at this point, if Pat Riley's that sold on, on a guy like the hero, I, I I'm willing to see how it turns out. I think adding Oladipo for you know the the team washing machine and and a, a <laughs> few, three months of Kelly Olinick is is pretty dang close to as good as you can do for a guy who you already know you kind of have a little bit of leverage on because it's pretty well known that that's where he wants to resign and and if they can get him to a number that's palatable that's not you know in the I think too high a range like he thinks he's gonna get. I think it's a
0: great move for Miami. Yeah. And Austin, just to let you know, I did lose you for a little bit there, but I feel like I got the gist of the point that you were trying to make. You know, no, he's not the, you know, Victor Aladipo of the time that he was in Oklahoma City or the time that he was in Indiana, you know, prior to the injury, but he can still be really meaningful. And Mm -hmm. the fact that you didn't have to give a whole heck of a lot to get him, you know, it's been chronicled that for the past, what, two seasons now that he really wants to be a member of this Miami organization. And, yeah, you bring up a great point that now that he's there, you probably can talk him down a little bit from that max contract. I mean, he has a house there already. Right. He He's really good friends with a lot of the players down there. What's the price point, though? What's the price point that you think is worth having Victor Oladipo on your team? I mean – what what would a max contract for him be is it is it in the
1: 30 million dollar range because okay 20 20 million 2022 somewhere in there mm-hmm. um not as much as as Zach Levine would make i think if if it was in the same breath and i wouldn't have said that 2 years ago yeah. so you know i i think where he's at now 85 million for 4 years i think is what he signed uh is Sounds about right. Maybe a little bit more, a little bit of a pay increase to that, but yeah. not, you know, a, a number that's that's feasible. Like that would be great. But if he's asking for thirty million or north of that, like, we'll, we'll go ahead and see what's out there. And I think he'd probably eventually come back with, you know, a slightly lower number after he after he, you know, tested the waters, if so to speak.
0: Yeah, and it's it's just funny to me, like how. Contract values determine how good a player is now. I mean, he's going to play the same way whether he's paid $18 million a season or $32 million a season. You're going to get the same Mm -hmm. level of Victor Oladipo on the floor. He's not a guy that, you know, lags out there on the court. He plays 100. He gives you 100 miles an hour every play, right? Yeah, definitely. And unfortunately, but it, it's the, you have to look at it this way in the NBA. It's,
1: it's an opportunity cost. It's the, mm-hmm. the three three to $5 million a year we're spending on him could be used on this veteran piece that we add that puts us over the top that we don't have now. And yeah. it's, it's kind of a weird way to think about the value of people when you get
0: too, too into it. So yeah, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, I, I like the cap situations and scenarios and stuff like that. It's just, mm-hmm. Victor Oladipo is one of these guys who's a little bit of the conundrum in this situation because he values himself so highly, and he does give you, like you said, 21 points per game. He, at once upon a time, was an all-NBA-level defender. I don't think that he's quite at that level, right. but he's certainly above average defensively. He's,
1: a, he's, a, he's still an above-average defender for sure. He's probably not going to make an all-defensive team, but he's not a liability on that end at all. And mm-hmm. l- Let's be honest. He shoots 5 to 7% better from the field and from three. And we're talking about a 23 four point a game guy who's right back in the in the all star picture like he was a couple of years ago. The only real things that have kind of disappeared from his game is that initial burst off his first step has mm-hmm. made it a little bit easier for the defense to guard his his jump shot because they can't they don't sag off at all now because it's not quite as dangerous. If if that shooting comes back or, or in any way, even just a, even just a little bit, you know, we're talking about a, a a pretty nice third option. If that's what you want to call him for the heat.
0: Yeah. I mean, does, is he the third, second, fourth option? I I is probably going to change looks at it
1: that way. I think Butler's the leader, but he's not always the first option. You know what I mean? I think sometimes if Tyler hero's feeling it, he's been the first option. Bam is kind of the, the, fulcrum of that whole offense a lot mm-hmm. of times you know if if Duncan Robinson is shooting lights out sometimes him getting open in the corner is really their first option they run so much different stuff off of off of the same sets that everybody else does I think that's the crazy thing to me is 90 percent of the teams run the same base stuff and Miami just does so much more off of it than anybody really see uh, I don't know. First option, second option, third option is as big of a thing for uh, for them.
0: It's really not. And I mean, if you remember, too, in the playoffs, I believe Goran Drogis was their leading scorer. Right. So there you go. I mean, it it comes from everybody on this Miami Heat team. And that's why I love Eric Spolster and the, obviously the mentorship that he was given with Pat Riley as well. So mm-hmm. I, I like this trade for Miami as well but it's going to be contingent upon their offseason with him. I think, I mean, I know that he's going to give them some production at some level and it's just going to be interesting. I mean, it reminds me a little bit to be honest with you of Jimmy Butler going there, right? Like right. with the, the deal that he signed when he left Philadelphia to go there after his tenure kind of came to an ill will at the end of his time in Chicago, we know about the whole beating the starters with the third stringers in practice in Minnesota, and mm-hmm. then he goes to Miami, then everybody loves Jimmy Butler. So this could be kind of that same Cinderella story for Victor Oladipo. You know, when Jimmy Butler went to Miami, everybody said, look, he's taking the mu- as much money as he can
1: get, and he's, and he's not worried about build, you know, contending for a title, which everybody thought was the biggest thing to Jimmy Butler. And it turned out all along that every, every, every stop along the road, <laughs> you heard that Jimmy Butler was the problem. And, and it, he found a place where they didn't treat him like the problem anymore and he took him to the finals so yeah i, I don't know it's a it, there's it's a pretty you know interesting you know case study w- was was jimmy butler wrong in some of the things he did probably the way he went about things but at the end of the day all he ever talked about was how they didn't want to win like i did so i couldn't play with them and yeah. maybe that works out for depot too ever you know miami seems to work work out pretty well for most guys that end up there
0: yeah and i it I find it really hard to believe that Victor Oladipo doesn't go to Miami and at least, you know, keep up at least keep up the level of production that he's at now. If not, get better with the developmental system that they have in place in Miami. So, all right, that wraps up the the big three that we have of the um, of the trade deadline. But there were another couple moves, and oddly enough, Orlando has been attached to what three quarters of the (laughs) discussions that we're going to be talking about now. You know, the next one that we have. Are the Boston Celtics now? Austin, you've been super critical, like many other people, about Danny Ainge and his lack of not wanting to make moves. I think that he hurt a lot of people, and he might not have got the player that everyone wanted, right? Like, I saw it on Twitter that the fact that they added Evan Fournier and they sent out Jeff Teague, who hadn't really, he didn't do terrible, but he really wasn't like a, a big plus for them either. They sent Jeff Teague in two seconds. Now Orlando has since bought out Jeff Teague and rumor has it that the Knicks are interested for some ungodly reason, but you know,
1: point guard depth, I guess
0: a, a point guard that they don't need in two second round picks for a uh, 20 point per game floor stretching Evan Fournier. I mean, Austin, how do you evaluate Danny Ainge on this?
1: Um, show, Goes to show when Danny Ainge makes a move, he makes pretty good moves. I think, I think mm-hmm. more often than not, when he does make a deal it's it's going to be a pretty good value in Boston's favor most of the time. You know, two second-round picks for a team that has had multiple second-round picks every year, it seems like, for the last 7, 8, 10 years and do going on into the future. You can, it feels like you can get a second-round pick anytime you want in the NBA right now, the way they trade them around. And, you know... Given those up, and like you said, Jeff Teague's minutes pretty much are gonna have been kind of taken. I think by Peyton Pritchard. I think you have a chance to give him more opportunity there now. And Evan Fournier is a heck of a scorer. He can. He's instant offense. Um, He can fill it up. He's he's kind of toiled away in obscurity on that Miami or on the Orlando Magic team for for some time now he signed a pretty good lucrative contract so I'm sure he's okay with it but sure you know <laughs> uh, he's he's played up to it in my eyes I, I think it's a, a big move they obviously, People underestimated the value that Gordon Hayward brought to that team in terms of, you know, everyone said they were just so redundant with the positions that all three of their best players played. Well, look what they go and do. Everybody's convinced they need a big man so bad. And yeah, they got Mo Wagner and he's he's going to help, I'm sure, uh, what they need. But, you know, what do they go and they prioritize? They go and get a two guard, you know, another guard wing kind of player to back up the, the starting, you know, all-stars that they have there in the same way that Gordon Hayward kind of did. And I, I, I like it a lot. I think it's going to, for a team that struggled to score as much as Boston does at times, it's, it's going to help them a lot.
0: Yeah. I like the move as well. And you mentioned that they also got Mo Wagner. They also brought in Luke Cornett from Chicago. So, and he actually played the other night and looked pretty good in Celtic green and white. Well, time yeah. Lord got his first start. <laughs> yeah. He played well. I mean, I think he had
1: five or six blocks. He had like six assists. He might be the he might be the best playmaker
0: on that team. To be honest I think,
1: with you, I think there's something to be said that he he plays with a lot better sense of urgency and a lot more effort when he get when he was starting or when he gets you know a, a, an expanded role when he comes in in those little spurts here and there off the bench for a couple minutes. I think I just don't know that he gets up as well as he did because he had a completely different energy in that game that he started. He looked good. And I think there's, they may have a little something there. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I like him too a lot. They're starting, but you know, we'll see what happens when Tristan Thompson comes back. Right. I mean, but in that deal that they brought in Mo Wagner and Luke, and Luke Cornett, they sent out Daniel Tyson, Javante Green, who it kind of secretly turned out was one of you know Jason Tatum's best friends on that team. Right. And I like Javante Green a lot. I think that he's you know a good defender and he's a good hustle guy, but. The fact that you can bring in Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett, two big men who can stretch the floor a little bit for you, and then Evan Fournier, you talked about his shooting ability, his scoring. He actually has a nice little handle. He's one of these like dribble pass shoot players that a lot of NBA teams are constantly looking for. He's now, He's extremely skilled for sure, very skilled. And you know, I would like to have seen them gone big or go for maybe another point guard. You know, they have Kimball Walker there; they're paying him a lot of money. Really would have been interesting to see if they could move him at the deadline, but I think you have to incentivize a team to to bring him on at this point in his career. You know,
1: I would have I would have loved to see Aldridge end up here or mm-hmm. in Miami rather than in Brooklyn. We could talk was, about that. Not e- I know it just just for the simple fact that I I'd li- I like the idea of it actually being fairly wide open come playoff time because I think in in a lot of instances. It could end up being the Western and Eastern Conference Finals could be completely different than what everybody expected at the beginning of the season. It and will be, I yeah. think. I think for sure. I think a lot of people were hesitant to jump on this Nets movement with just KD and Kyrie because nobody knew, if is Kyrie really reliable number two all the time? Is he going to be there and engaged? And now, you know, that's obviously, the, it's crazy how far the whole storyline <laughs> of that Nets team has come from When we were sitting here talking about Kyrie choosing to miss time to go for to a birthday party, Mm -hmm. like it's it's like it seems like two
0: totally different seasons, doesn't it? Yeah, and he has uh, since again stepped away for family reasons, and it is Mm -hmm. good news stuff. I mean, and it's, I mean, that's fine. He has
1: (laughs) a point. The NBA players are people like you. You and I want want time off when big life events happen, and 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 certain things are important to us. We just don't get to have a
0: camera crew following us around. And it's just funny to me how right now we're talking the Boston Celtics and then immediately we shift to the Brooklyn Nets for a deal like this. And it's just funny. I want to bring up one point in the week with our Boston Celtics discussion that you can change the subject. No, you're fine. Um, I think that it's funny how analysts and NBA fans were looking at, at Brooklyn when they got these big three and almost just to kind of scoff at them and not approve of the players that they have all together on this team. Well, Their defense is terrible. You know, what are they going to do when they have to match up against the size of a Milwaukee or the size of a Philadelphia 76ers team? And then all of a sudden they add Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge, who do address that, you know, physicality, that front court, that size that they don't have apparently against, you know, Milwaukee and, and, Philadelphia, and then they add these front court players, and then all of a sudden, it's just to get in the way to get in the front of LeBron James's goatness. All of a sudden, right? So
1: yeah, that's what I mean. That's what they always say. I mean, anytime anybody loads up with more teammates, like you, even made a good point. Nobody, nobody called it that when LeBron loaded up with the two, you know, probably top finishers for six man of the year, and Mark Gasol, who's a former Defensive Player of the Year, playmaking center, you know. Wesley Matthews yeah arguing. I mean Wesley Matthews they're defending the time, champions arguing they got upgrade, <laughs> upgrades all across the board in a lot of people's minds and yeah. and you know that's why we play that's why we play the season because nobody talked about the Clippers yet there they are still shooting having the best shooting season a lot of those guys have ever had under mm-hmm. uh, you know Ty Lue who I think was an afterthought as a coaching hire and he's that team's looked good and you know not to get too off topic from the trade deadline thing, I will say my one of my favorite moves that I'm most intrigued by is the move that the Clippers made, you know, at the deadline. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to talk about that right now or if you oh, want to. We will. They're um, two teams yeah. after Boston. We'll get into yeah, that's that's fine. I, I don't want to get too into it, but you know, I think personalities a lot of times can really affect the value of a trade more so than okay we gave up this guy and got this guy in this draft asset. Well, why would you give up this guy for that guy? Because we have enough of what this guy brings. That guy that we went and got brings us something that we didn't have. And I think there was a lot of trades like that at the the deadline this year.
0: Well, this was one of the most active trade deadlines we've had in what, like 30 seasons or something. Right. And I, I made, made me so happy when I saw all the trades. I love this kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot of people are just like, oh, you know, basketball is more than just transactions and stuff like that. To me, this has been one of the most fun week in sports because really? of the trade deadline, because of the great basketball we're getting both collegially and at the pro level. Right. Not to mention the trades that are happening in the NFL coming up onto the, you know, to the I mean, NFL trap. Talking about
1: NFL trade market is usually very, very quiet mm-hmm. all the time, even yeah. during at trade deadline. So that was fun.
0: Yeah and you know obviously too the women's basketball has been progressing along and doing very very good as well and shout it, out
1: to Dick Sporting Goods for for what they did for the women's NCAA tournament I that, you know I see you Dicks that was nice I don't know absolutely. if you saw much about that but it, it was it was a pretty pretty good thing they did That's
0: there. a whole show in of itself that we could talk about the right. WNCAA and the tournament and the obstacles that they had but right awesome we'll shift gears back now to the Boston Celtics Right now, at the time of this recording, they're what seventh in the East right now, flirting with that five hundred level basketball. Five hundred.
1: I never would have thought that.
0: Yeah, it's it's insane. They're flirting with five hundred with two really talented players in Tatum and Brown, glue, reigning glue guy of the year in right. Marcus Smart, who's missed a lot of time and, and that's Walker. A big part of it. I think, I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest
1: issue that they've dealt with is he's been not been there because he does a lot of things that you can't replace.
0: Absolutely. So, what do you think about adding Fournier, uh, Fournier, Wagner, and Cornette? You know, how does this help Boston, or does it help? Is there too much ground to make up for them? I don't think there's too much ground to make up for them. I think you know, a team like
1: Charlotte, unfortunately, our our you know kind of home favorite Knicks team, is somebody that with with uh, you know the injury to their starting center, Mitch Robinson, another one, right? Broke his foot four games after he came back from a broken wrist. Or hand or whatever it was. And so, you know, there's two there's two teams right there that are kind of poised to get picked off because of injuries more than anything. You know, LaMelo Ball's out for Charlotte and they've mm-hmm. played, you know, and they'll they'll continue to compete, they're a competitive team. They're still going to be there at, at the end of the year. Yeah. But there's definitely room for for Boston to move up and getting Smart back, adding You know, a little bit of toughness in the way of Mo Wagner. I think he brings an edge, uh, you know, kind of a a pesky type of guy that they didn't really have with Smart being on the bench, being hurt. I think Smart and Wagner together on the court, those two two might end up becoming best friends the way they can just kind of disrupt, you know, what the other team tries to do and get get in guys' minds and and that kind of stuff matters. And Fournier brings them, you know, if he comes off the bench, which I'm sure he probably will. I I don't know. I haven't seen anything about what their lineups are going to look like, but he's going to provide a serious scoring punch to their second unit that I think they that's going to help them a lot. I could see them moving up fifth, sixth, stay at seven. I I don't think they'll end up in the play-in tournament. I think they'll be above that.
0: Yeah, and I would really hope that Brad Stevens keeps Lob Williams in the lineup above Tristan Thompson. I know that he's one of these guys, even though he's a younger coach and he's been in the league for a little bit, He's one of these guys that can that kind of tends to lean towards veterans almost to a fault. And you know, I understand right. if you got some veterans that that do give you kind of that plus value. I think Tristan Thompson is best served to come off the bench on this team with a lot of the younger players that'll be coming off the bench. That's where I think his veteran presence means more as opposed to playing next to, albeit younger, but still stars who do a lot for that team on the offense and defensive end. So I think bringing right. him off the bench giving that bench some veteran leadership would mean a little bit more for Boston right Mm -hmm. now. What do you think about that?
1: I, I agree completely. I also think if you've got a guy like Tristan Thompson, who's shown that he can do it in either capacity as a starter or, you know, a reserve and you've got a guy like Robert Williams who, seems at least in the this super small sample to have really, really, you know, been successful as a starter in terms of just the overall effort and the look that he had about him. Like he was just so much more engaged. Young players, that kind of stuff may make a difference. And you know, if you can get more out of a guy that's to start him, and they don't have to play any difference in terms of minutes. I mean, there's all kinds of of rosters you see where there's sixth man. I'm sure Lou Williams played the second or third most minutes on his team a lot of years. Yeah. When he came off the bench. So, you know, the, the roles don't have to change all that much. It just, the, the, you know, who's out there at the beginning of the game, and it may make a big difference. I I, I think it would be a great move. So, I, yeah, I don't know why he
0: wouldn't do it. I don't know either, especially with the way that Lob Williams is giving you or I know Time Lord is his most popular uh, nickname. I'm kind of, I'm shifting gears to Lob Williams. I like, I like, I like Lob Williams a lot. I think the the playmaking ability, this was something that we heard about in reports of, from practices and things like that, that you obviously didn't get to see a whole heck of mm-hmm. a lot real time because when he's in the game in short stints, he lived up to that Lob Williams name. You know, he was a, he was a lob threat, but, Austin, I think that we're up against now. Mm -hmm. and What we're going to do is what we had already planned on doing. Yeah. And we'll roll into the rest of this on our podcast. But for everyone that has taken the time to view and listen for, you know, the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio, we just want to thank you so much. And Austin, it was for sure. We love having our guests on, but it's also nice when we can just kind of you and I get together and kind of this trade deadline special kind of felt like something that's
1: you and me's you know, what we love to do the most. This is the stuff we like to talk about. You know, I'm gonna be completely honest, full disclosure for everybody listening. I wanna hear myself talk about this more than most more than (laughs) our guests on on an episode like this. I'm usually one hundred percent okay deferring to whoever we have on because we always have awesome guests and I wanna, you know, hear what they have to say. But I'm I'm interested in your me and you's opinions on this kind of topic. So This has been a lot of fun for sure. Thank you to everybody that's listening. If you, you know, make sure you check out the podcast, you know, to hear the rest of the episode, because you will get to hear who Steven and I both are most surprised by that didn't
0: get traded. So that's
1: something you don't want to miss. So,
0: yeah. And not only who, but the why aspect. And Mm -hmm, for all you fans of Philadelphia, the Clippers, Portland, Sacramento, and Utah, we got a lot more to talk about on our podcast that you're going to want to listen to. So what you're going to want to do now when we close out is you're going to look anywhere that podcasts are available look up breaking the game you'll see the basketball and the headphones yeah. you're going to want to subscribe share rate five stars please and review and then listen to this episodes and catch up on any other ones that you missed sure. but austin thank you so much for your time today man Me really too, man. appreciate it it's always fun when we can cut loose and do shows together like this yes. before we close out want to remind everybody please Go to manscaped.com and get twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code BTG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BTG. Unlock your confidence and as always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped.
1: And you know, if you're thinking to yourselves, boy, Steven and Austin do look pretty well put together and and better <laughs> than ever, you know, it's thanks to Manscaped. So check it out. and You guys won't won't regret it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I went on my own and bought the foot duster. Love that stuff. If I've never really been like a super conscious about my feet, like, I've never let my feet go, but I've never right. been like, a I'm worried about my feet. The list. Yeah. But this foot duster, it feels nice, dude. Like my, my feet feel refreshed every time I use it. I've already talked go. about the boxers. The Crop Duster, the Crop Reviver is another good one that I use on the go all the time when I'm at home for lunch. Just quick little mm-hmm. spritz and I feel way better and can continue on right. with workday. work day. It's, it's the little things like that that can make all the difference, man. Make sure you guys go and check it out.
1: 20% off, free shipping, can't beat it.
0: Yep, and we're pretty good friends with the folks over at Manscaped. And you let them know that we sent you, they'll hook you up with a great deal. Yes, they will. All right, so Austin, for our show, Breaking the Game, for the Nothing Bennett channel here on Dash Radio, for our friends over at OffTheBallNetwork.com, our brothers, where we contribute, please go to OffTheBallNetwork.com for your sports needs. This has been the Breaking the Game show. We will catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one. All right, that's a big enough pause. We can continue on with the podcast now, Austin. Yes. Great show so far that we've had for the Nothing That's But fun. Net channel on Dash Radio. Fun a couple fun. more things that we want to talk about. A couple more big trades. Mm-hmm. And we want to roll on right off the top with the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. They acquired George Hill in a three-team trade along with Iggy Bre- Brezdikas. And they what they ended up having to do was send out Tony Bradley, a twenty twenty five and 26 second to Oklahoma City because we all know that the Thunder need more draft picks. <laughs> and they right. also sent Terrence Ferguson, Vincent Poirier, the rights to Amir um, Prelzik, a 2021 second, and Miami's 2024 second to the New York Knicks. Now, Austin, we know that Joel Embiid has been out and them trading a lot of their centers kind of head scratching to me. But you know, with the play of Ben Simmons, with the play of Tobias Harris, with the play of uh Corkmaz in particular, too. What do you think about this Philadelphia 76ers team making a deal to bring in George Hill? Right now, they're first in the Eastern Conference. Um,
1: I don't know that that they gave up a whole lot that they're going to miss. Tony Bradley, uh, in terms of some of the analytics, bear out that he's been one of the worst backups in the NBA, regardless of position. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Embiid, we all know when he comes back is, is the engine that makes this team go. It's what's going to make them dangerous in the playoffs. But they're a defensive Force to be reckoned with, regardless. As they've shown, without him, uh oh, where'd I go? I'm not sure what happened to Steven. I don't know if I'm still live and you guys can hear me. Did did I, did I drop out? No, that's that's all me. That's that all me. you. Okay. Well, I was I said I didn't know if it was me or Steven and then you popped back in, so we're good.
0: <laughs> Sorry, or, my, you buddy. just missed me. If I'm going over my words for 30 seconds, we're all right. <laughs> Well, luckily, we're not on the radio right now. We're on a podcast. We can have a little bit of fumbling time. We can edit that out. Yeah, that's fine. That'll buff out. But I was just getting to the point where
1: Philadelphia is a defensive force to be reckoned with, you know, regardless of Embiid being in there or not. And when he comes back even more so, they're 6-1 and without him, which I will be the first person to tell you I did not see that coming. Um, ben Simmons has has been Ben Simmons the, the the team has has played well in spite of the absence of Embiid and uh, adding a guy like George Hill I think kind of helps replace uh, or I mean add to their their shooting weapons from three you know obviously they have you know, they want to get as many shooters around a guy like Embiid as they can. Absolutely it's, it worked out to this point. And I think the, the least well-kept secret in the NBA was that George Hill was going to be moved by the deadline. I think that was kind of a, a meme almost going around on social media was where yep. he can end up. And <laughs> I, I think he fits well with this roster. I think he kind of seems like he, he would be uh, the type of, of guy that, you know, Doc Rivers wants on the, on the roster. I, I think he's a great addition uh, albeit a smaller move, he did lead the NBA in three point percentage last year. He's uh, you know shooting is a huge, huge thing you need to have come playoff time with a defense like Philadelphia has, you know uh, every possession is gonna matter come playoff time and the ability to to have all these shooters out there on the court at any given time is just you know icing on the cake. They're still in first place and they didn't bet the farm for three months of Kyle Lowry, which, I wasn't a huge fan of them doing. I think obviously Kyle Lowry helps whoever he would end whoever, you know, ended up going after him if he did get traded, he's gonna help. But for three months for a guy at his age, that I just don't think his his body type and his game game style of play are gonna age real well, even if you are able to bring him back, and how much is it is that gonna cost? Yeah. So I, I, I I'm glad they didn't make that move. I think overall the 76ers are gonna be happy with what they got.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do too. And what I like about George Hill being on this team, Austin is the fact that they have such a defensive identity that he does give you floor stretching ability, obviously with the three, I mean, one of right. the best three point shooters in, in recent NBA history over the past couple seasons, great free throw shooters, great leader, but also still gives you some of that defensive identity mm-hmm. and intensity. And it doesn't force Tyrese Maxey, into a position come in the playoffs that he, that the moment might be too big for him. And right. so now I, they, I, they don't have to rely on
1: their backup point guard position being shake Milton and, and Maxie, you know, yeah. they can rely on a guy who's been there.
0: Yeah. And, and a guy who, you know, has been in a couple of big moments. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's played for coach Popovich on some San Antonio. Zachary, he went to IUPUI right here in Indy. So yep. There you go. He was pretty I mean, popular when he played for the Pacers, man. They loved him. Yeah, that was a big. Do- I mean, you're talking about a guy who was traded to bring in Kawhi Leonard, right? right? So, it's a lot of history there with George Hill. But you know, being under Doc Rivers, I think I don't think that it hurts getting more grownups in the room, and right. that's exactly what George Hill is. And you know, he's a guy that while Joel Embiid is out, can give you a little bit of an offensive punch. And like I said, he can, he help maintains that defensive identity for a team that I think has a, enough
1: all-star firepower already at the top of the lineup. This is the kind of culture move that you make when you're, when you think you can win a championship. This is mm-hmm. the kind of move teams that know that they can contend make. He's adds to the locker room. He adds experience. He's another ball handler. He's another shooter. And like you said, he's going to be able to help, you know, sustain that defensive identity. He's he's people underestimate how long he really is because he's a slender, you know, n- you know, smaller guy He is a point guard, but he's got extremely long arms and quick hands. He's good defensively. And I, I don't think it can be overstated how, how good this, this could be for Philadelphia in terms of just adding a, a little bit here and there to a team that I think already has enough in, in a lot of instances.
0: Yeah. And I mean more when, when Embiid is back, you're going to see, this is going to be one of the deepest teams in Philadelphia, I think, that we've had in quite some time. And right. it's going to help bear out, I think, in the playoffs. It's a really good addition, I think. And we, they didn't really give up a whole heck of a lot to get them. I mean, what a second round picks mean for Philadelphia I mean, right now? Oklahoma City has 17 of them in the next seven years when we ask them. I mean,
1: 34 <laughs> potential picks in the next seven drafts.
0: That's insane. That's an insane number of picks. Eventually, you just wonder when they're going to trade all of them together to get. Uh, I think know, they're so, going to
1: hold on to as many of them as they can and, and get whatever pick they need to get to draft LeBron James' son, and thinking that that'll bring
0: LeBron James there for a year. There you go. Know. Oh, and while we're on the topic of Oklahoma City, did you see that they have no plans right now to buy out Al Horford? And he's yeah. basically transitioning now to uh, to an assistant coach, making like $60 million think dollars over if, the next few years. If was, Horford
1: was, you know set on playing the rest of the season and trying to contend that they would have been able to reach some sort of a buyout the fact that he's not you know seems doesn't seem to be pushing it and is okay with this tells me that you know like you said he's going to basically be an assistant coach and they're going to try to work out a deal in the offseason so i I don't know i i didn't he's got 53 million remaining on his contract that's probably a pretty good reason not to request a buyout if they can trade him so (laughs) i think there's a lot of it's a weird story i didn't i didn't expect to see it it makes sense i I, it's one another one of these things where it's like hey you know these guys are under contract play but if the team wants to honor that contract and like you said in a locker room role go for it whatever yeah orford is making out pretty well he's made quite a bit of money in his career
0: He's going to be, I think, the most expensive uh, assistant coach in the NBA this season. So, Right. <laughs> that never hurts anything. All right, mm-hmm. so Austin, we talked about Philadelphia. We're going to shift to the place where Doc Rivers used to coach, the L.A. Clippers now. And this is a move that you said that you wanted to talk about while we were talking about mm-hmm. the Boston Celtics. So why is this such a polarizing move to you? And just real quick, before we get into your reasoning, mm-hmm. I want to let everyone know that, that – Rajon Rondo was sent from Atlanta for Lou Williams, two seconds, and cash considerations. The Clippers are third in the West right now. Why does trading Lou Williams for Rajon Rondo help help the Clippers? Um, to make it short and sweet, because they didn't need what
1: Lou Williams brings to the roster, and they do need what, what Rajon Rondo does. You and I talked about it in the offseason. I thought the Clippers were the best. That de- were the destination made for Rajon Rondo after, mm-hmm. he, you know, people don't people kind of see what he did in the finals for the Lakers and think, oh, man, like Rondo, you know, he, he deserves this. Con- he needs a big contract like he's going to be able to you know, you know, contribute to a, a winning team. Rondo played good for three or four games in the finals. And looked like the third third best player on that Lakers team in those instances, but he was hurt a lot before that. He missed a lot of time. He he struggled. He was up and down all season, um, so I just felt like he was definitely going to get a lot of money somewhere, but he wasn't going to be this backup, you know, guy that could come in and give you a ton of production, you know, night in and night out. Like I think Atlanta kind of wanted from him and the clippers don't need that they need his leadership they need his pedigree they need a locker room guy that's going to you know somebody said it in on on the locker room app last night not in so many words but they need someone that's kind of a dick so and i think <laughs> they really do and you know he he'll be one of the unquestioned vocal leaders in that on that team for sure which is i think what they needed so i just i i think it's great from their perspective that they got that locker room presence and they got Rondo because I thought that's where he should have gone all along, but they gave up quite a bit for a guy who hasn't hardly played and is scoring about three points a game. Yeah. You know, Lou Williams is not having the best year, but cash and two seconds for a guy who hasn't hardly played very much is, was a lot to me. I see. I feel like, so I don't know what, what are your thoughts
0: on that? Yeah. I kind of live in that neighborhood too. And there's a lot of people who are just hands down all over this trade and saying, Oh, this is going to be the trade that sets the Clippers over the top. I don't necessarily know if I subscribe to that because this was supposed to be the move for Atlanta that was supposed to help push them into playoff, you know, contention like heavy playoff contention. Right. And right now, you're hoping that for whatever reason, playing in with the Clippers is going to unearth this Rajon Rondo that has supposed to have been in Atlanta this whole time. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he was supposed to be this the exact same type of player that everyone is saying that he's going to be for the Clippers is who he was supposed to be while he was in Atlanta. And I don't know that if it's going to happen now, I do think it's a move that the Clippers had to make regardless of cost, because at the end of the day, if this team does not at least make a finals, I think that the trades that happened for Paul George, the acquisitions of Kawhi Leonard are all for naught. You know, you mortgaged a whole lot of your future. You have to kind of bet it. You have to go all in on a guy like Rondo to help, push this team into as far as into a contention as you possibly can, or, you know, Steve Ballmer is going to have to admit that, you know, building this new brand new stadium, that trading oh, way to that's get hilarious. these star players. Like you have to go all in on a guy like Rondo or you have to admit failure. And I don't think yep. that's anything that any one of these guys on this team want to do. They can admit failure. They have, they, they have to get, Something for
1: what they gave up to get this the team that they have there to get this new you know to justify this giant new stadium. I think Balmer's paying for most of it, so they don't have to justify much. But <laughs> you know, just the whole entire thing around Kawhi Leonard coming there and what they gave up to get Paul George to get Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi could leave. That's scary. Yeah. Kawhi could leave after this year. Paul and George maybe, jumped all in on an extension too. Right, and at the very very least. They can point to this and say, "Look, we everybody said we didn't have this culture guy, we didn't have this vocal guy, we didn't have this locker room presence. Well, look what we went and got, and it didn't help enough. <laughs> so we, we did everything we could. You know, we tried. We're, we're going to continue to try to retool and, and build around you. But you know, like at the very least, they can point to that if they don't. If nothing comes of it, but I, I think they they have to hope that Rondo can give them what what." they need and what they expect from him and what they want to get out of him. My big thing is Rondo's never seemed like the type of guy to be that selfless, so to speak. Yeah, like If he doesn't have much of a, a significant role on this roster, like, is he going to give his all to, you know, just be that locker room guy or, is you know, so I don't know.
0: I don't know if he's, if he, how much left he's got in the tank, but well, they think a lot.
1: They what is enough. the
0: dynamic between Rondo and Patrick Beverly look like? I don't know. That's kind of, that might be <laughs> something to look at. Pat Beverly might think he's,
1: he be, might be out of a, you know, a spot, so to speak. He might be looking over his shoulder thinking, you know, Rondo might be what they want me to be that I, that he hasn't seemed to have, you know, lived up to. I don't know. It could be volatile. It could work out great.
0: They could be best friends. Yeah. I mean, the the trash talk that's going to take place in practices between the two of them. I would, you know, I'd give a nickel right. to hear what that would sound like, but All right, so we're moving on for a trade that kind of lukewarm on, right? Like We like the concept of Rajon Rondo on this team, but we don't know functionally how it's going to work. Here's a move that I know both of us just absolutely could not stand, and that's the Portland Trailblazers getting Norman Powell from Toronto. They gave up Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. Portland right now at the time of this recording is 6 in the West. How do you think this trade affects? I don't even want to say that it helps necessarily Portland, but how do you think this trade affects Portland?
1: I don't know. I don't understand what what, <laughs> what the point of it was. I think they gave up a 22-year-old guy that's had a heck of a year and shown them quite a bit offensively and been one of their only you know, capable defenders and traded him for a guy that's four or five years older that's also on an expiring contract that's also going to have to get paid that is a, a less capable defender and probably uh, maybe slightly better right now on offense but mm-hmm. when when Gary Trent Jr is 27 he he could he looks like he's on a trajectory where he could be you know something serious in this league for a while i think he can, i think he showed really capable of, he showed himself really capable of you know covering for CJ McCollum when he was hurt and yeah. i just don't understand it like you have to pay this guy anyway and like you said you think he may get just as much if not more money in free agency than Gary Trent Oh, yeah.
0: I I wholeheartedly believe that Norman Powell is going to garner more free agency attention because he has Gary Trent for as great of a job as he did filling in for CJ. Mm -hmm. How much of that was because he had a Damian Lillard on this team to set him up? Norman Powell could go and get his own bucket. You know, Gary Trent can get his bucket to some extent, but he has to play alongside one of the more dynamic creators on the offensive end and Damian Lillard. So, I think Norman Powell, because he can create for himself, he's going to be a little bit more attractive on the open market, whereas Gary Trent will be attractive in the fact that he's more of a 3 and D type guy, not necessarily what our good friend Rashard Phillips likes to call a hybrid guard with, mm-hmm. with like a Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. I think that it gives Portland a little bit redundancy with Norman Powell and CJ McCollum together because how good are either one of these guys without the ball in their hands? And what happens when you have... McCollum and Powell on the corners with Damian Lillard. And who are you rocking with that at the four and the five there? Are you looking at Covington and Nurkic? Like, yes. is it going to be um, Covington and, and a uh, Mellow running small ball lineup? Like, what does that look like? And if you got three guards that are all under what, six, five, I don't know how successful you're going to become playoff time. And that's where, where I live on this because I think Trent mm-hmm. gives, or positional versatility. He gives you more defensive more versatility, lines. and he's and he's a guy that you can keep on this team cheaper, in my opinion, than a Norman Powell. So it okay. doesn't make sense to me at all. And on top of this, you gave away Rodney Hood too. So not only was it a one for one deal, but you also added another player to make sure that you had the salary cap lined up enough. Like Portland has to believe in Norman Powell. Like this has to work out, in my opinion. I think they punted on defense, and they're trying to
1: load up as much shooting and offense as they can just to try to win shootouts. I think I, I was hearing, listening to it today. They have the third worst uh, defensive rating ever this season. They're, they're second worst in the NBA this year. The the Kings are historically historically bad, but at the time of this this trade, at least the the Trailblazers had the third worst defensive rating in NBA history. So something's not right on defense for, for so for them to say that they're losing a this great defender and Gary Harris maybe or I mean Gary Trent maybe mm-hmm. it's overstating it maybe you know obviously it hasn't worked out if he is a good defender Um because Robert Covington's supposed to be a pretty good defender too and it what for whatever reason they haven't been able to defend anybody Nurkic is coming back and they they hope that'll help I think but I guess they're just loading up on three guys that, you know, you can't key on, you can't key on two. Now, if you've got three that can hit it from anywhere and Powell had 22, I think in their in his first game for them, he looked good. So, yeah, you know, it just seemed like they went for a guy that's fairly similar. That's older. That's more expensive. That has less potential. And Gary Trent could have been, you know, someone that they kept with Dame and and McCollum and turned into kind of their big three. Almost. Maybe I,
0: I feel like there's a chance for that. Yeah, and a small market team too. I mean, two or three million dollars goes a long way in Portland compared right. to like a Los Angeles or a Brooklyn or a New York or Miami. You know, two or three million dollars in Portland is a whole other contract on the. Gary Trent's been one of the few guys there so far since he's been
1: there that hasn't that's been able to stay healthy, and you know they need that Portland. Yeah.
0: but Portland's been injured since the franchise opened its doors. I feel like, <laughs> and to Norman Powell's credit, he's another guy that um that is an Ironman of sorts, you know, he, he's he been pretty available for Toronto as well. So maybe they did take that into consideration. Look at it from the other side. I, I think it, it's going to be fun to see if they can re-sign Gary
1: Trent, what, what Nick nurse can do with him, because I think he's got a lot of potential and, and I think they, they added a guy that they can be ex- excited about.
0: Yeah. And I, I took to Twitter and said that I, I love funk. I love funky lineups in the NBA. Right. And if you can give me a lineup that looks like, you know Van Vliet, Trent, Ananobi, Siakam, and and Boucher. That's a funky lineup, and yeah. I love the lineup. And I think, think that that's a great. I think that this is a great acquisition on Toronto's part. And who knows? I mean, maybe Powell and McCollum and Dame can all play alongside each other. But I just it concerns me one defensively, and then two, you know, how good are these guys going to be when you have three guys that are at their absolute best with the ball in their hand? To have all three of them out on the floor together,
1: it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. I guess you know everybody said that about uh, the three guys in in Brooklyn, and I know KD's been out, but it's it's working up to this point. You know, guys can guys can kind of change their mo. Guys that are as good as who we're talking about with Damon McCollum, at least, you know, can can figure it out. I don't think you're gonna take the ball out of Dame's hands, but I, I think
0: they'll you, I think they'll figure it out. You're not. You are certainly not at least. That. All right. So that wraps up our discussion on the Portland trailblazers. We're in the home stretch. Now we're going to talk about yeah. the Sacramento Kings. Now, one of the first moves that happened around this trade deadline, uh, week was the, the Sacramento Kings acquiring DeLon Wright from Detroit. All they had to do was send a uh, very underwhelming Corey Joseph's and two second round picks to Detroit. They also brought in Terrence Davis from Toronto who had a little bit of a uh, off the court issues this past offseason. season. And all they did was send uh, another second round pick, who Terrence Davis himself was a second rounder. So basically, you just drafted a a, a guy who outperformed his draft position there. Um, Austin, how does this help Sacramento? Because right now they're around 11th in the West. They're about 20, 25 at the time of this recording. How does how does this help them? Do you think this keeps them viable in the play-in tournament? I don't know. I, 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 I I'm surprised that they're 11th.
1: To be honest, I. I, I <laughs> I didn't even, even know that. Delon Wright,
0: does he move the needle for you? He doesn't really for me. He's twenty eight years old. I like him off the bench. I mean, if you got you know De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton starting, and you can bring yeah. in a guy who can play the one or the two, in Delon Wright, I kind of like it.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, if they need, if they felt they needed one more guy to kind of push them into contention for that that playing tournament, anything can happen if you get in there. And they are in eleventh. Uh, I didn't think. Luke Walton would still be the coach. Uh, I didn't think he's Buddy coaching be for his there. job. I mean, I that's what Buddy this Heald move feels there. like. Um, I think De'Aaron Fox has kind of been on a little bit of a run here. He's looked good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of proven to some people that he's somebody that needs to you need to keep an eye on. Um, Buddy Heald has played well despite you know everything that we heard in the off season. Yep. I don't know. Uh, Sacramento is very rarely on my radar. Um, any moves between Sacramento and Detroit kind of make me, you know, raise an eyebrow like, Oh, what's, what's going on here. These, these teams are trading spare parts, I guess, yeah. so to speak. It's usually how it feels, but you know, this could turn into something down the road. These, a, a future second for a guy that you, you kind of at least know a little bit what you're going to get with Terrence Davis, I think is, is a good move. If, if, I guess they wanted to build depth and kind of try to round out the bottom half of their roster to try to make a run at this 10th seed, which is, you know, is plausible, I guess. So yeah, why not?
0: Yeah. And I don't really have a whole lot that I want to add to the Sacramento Kings discussion. Right. I just think that DeLon Wright is one of these guys who's kind of floated around a lot of different places and mm-hmm. looked good depending on where he's been. I mean, starting in Toronto played really good for Memphis. He was pretty solid in, in Dallas and then went to Detroit as well. Not a bad player in Detroit either. He's just one of these guys. That's just a steady, heady president or Mm -hmm. player 29
1: minutes a game, you know,
0: 35%
1: from three, uh, five assists per game, 10 points. Uh, It's not bad.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's the guy that's, you know, gives you strong presence on the floor as a player. And, uh, I mean, as your backup kind of combo guard who can, you can run a lot of different lineups. You can even probably run a Halliburton, Wright, and Fox lineup all together. Right. And you, you're not sacrificing much mm. size at either position. Is this going to give us more Malachi Flynn with Toronto, you think, too? Oh, hands down, I because if so, I'm, on out, I'm, I'm ready to see what he can do. He actually played alongside uh, both Van Vliet and Lowry the last game that I watched him play. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, not only did Terrence Davis get shifted from Toronto to Sacramento, but in the next deal that we're going to talk about in Utah, Utah got Matt Thomas from Toronto, who was kind of one of these guys that is a a, shooting. He's a shooting combo guard, you know, like that's really all he is. He's just a spot up shooter. And, you know, Utah just sent a second round pick. They're number one in the Western Conference at 33 and 11 at the time of this recording. What do you think about Matt Thomas to Utah? Do you have any sort of feeling about I, I it? I actually do. I've, I've felt like Matt Thomas should have
1: gotten a little bit more run for Toronto the last couple of seasons in the playoffs when they were so thin and they had seven guy rotations for, you know, double overtime games.
0: Mm-hmm. I think he's a
1: heck of a shooter. He can knock down shots. He must just be, he must be a liability on defense to some extent or, or just, I'm overrating his shooting ability because the times I've seen him play, he's been absolutely knocked down. But he just doesn't seem to be able to crack the ro- crack the rotation where he's been. Um, you know, I'm sure Utah will figure out a way to use him. They seem like they can use they use everybody they. Have. I think a lot of people thought Toronto was using this as a, a to open a roster spot to make a, a Lowry trade that ultimately they didn't make. Yeah. So I, I don't really know how they feel about losing the guy. I guess obviously not too bad. For a second round pick, but I I always have kind of felt like Matt Thomas was underrated and, and, so, and some to some extent. So I think it could be it could be something for Utah. We'll see.
0: Yeah, and I mean it's not like they really needed the depth. Uh, one move that I wish that Utah would have made that they no longer can because the Spurs are intent on signing Gorgie Dang. I thought Dang would have been a good addition to this Utah Jazz team. But he's gonna be good for the Spurs. Yeah, absolutely. So Matt Thomas on this team. Gives them just another three point option. I I would like to think that since they gave up a draft pick to bring him in, that they plan on using him. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, there's really nothing else that I can add to this other than the fact that it's not really much of a needle mover. But when the number one team makes a move at the deadline for a player that can give them a little bit of a wrinkle. I think that it's worth getting into a little bit. Utah is
1: almost one of those teams where I'm starting to feel like with this, the way the season's going they're at that point where, you know, they make a move for a guy, you know, it's probably something's good's going to come of it. I think, you know, they'll, they'll figure out as good as anybody, how to use them. I like that you brought up, uh, you know, Gorgie Jang going to San Antonio. I thought that was a a solid move for a team that you might want to watch out for in the West. If Mm -hmm. you know, does, does a young team like, Phoenix Suns want to run into a Spurs team that's, you know, obviously they're young too, but it's they've got guys that have been around the block. They've got guys that have won. They've got Popovich. You know, they, you know, they're going to be well coached and do things Mm -hmm. the right way. I think they're the right team. Yeah. So a lot of interesting storylines going forward with all these trades. Yeah, absolutely. From Matt Thomas all the way to Vucevic, they've all they're all going to
0: make you know some form of 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 a difference for for all the teams involved yeah no doubt and again for a a trade deadline where we saw some of the most activity that we've had in about 30 years now I think that this has been you know pretty entertaining and I'm glad we were able to to talk about it but before we close out Austin we want to get into the segment where the players that we were most surprised that were not traded right uh, I I know who I have I would love to hear your take on on your guy
1: Sure, I'll go ahead. Mine's Kyle Lowry, obviously. I think, as much as we heard about for weeks and weeks, that Kyle Lowry, they were shopping him. They were going to try to find a place for him to go to contend for a title because, you know, in today's NBA, every veteran deserves to contend for a title, whether you want one or not. It's a given, right? So, you know, just let him out of his contract and let him go sign with whoever he wants. Why not? Mm -hmm. Uh, But no, to be honest, I am surprised that they didn't move him. I think they want to move forward with Van Vliet and maybe Malachi Flynn as their as their backcourt of the future if they want to see how that works I think Lowry's days in Toronto are numbered I think it just shows that Masai Ujiri knew going into this whole thing to get rid of Kyle Lowry it's going to take what I want I'm not going to take it you know less than what I want for this guy because we don't need to trade him. Yeah. I don't think they felt like they one way or another it was going to really affect their chances to win a title in the next year or two, whether they traded him or not. I I don't and I think that they said you're gonna have to give us a deal that really, you know, excites us and and moves the needle for us for the immediate future if you want us to give up on this guy, you know, give this guy up. And obviously in terms of value around the league for what's going to equate to probably for most teams, a three month rental, the asking price was probably just too high. I would, I would guess because Lowry is a capable player that would help a lot of teams. Just, and I guess nobody was willing to give up what they wanted.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those things where I love the fact that you brought up Masai Ujiri's thought process here because he is an expiring contract. Toronto is not competing for a title this season, so it doesn't hurt them to let him, you know, let this contract play out and see exactly. what they can do for him in the offseason. You know, if he wants to stay in Toronto, he'll probably resign for a much, much smaller contract than that 30 some odd million that he's making right now. And the fact that he you would probably have to incentivize a team to take him on. And, you know, some of the teams that they were talking about him going Miami, you know, uh, again, unwilling to trade Tyler Hero. You know, that's the biggest hurdle that they had. I was you know, hearing
1: things like hero and two firsts for
0: three months of Kyle Lowry. That's insane. And stuff like that. It's, that's, that's insane. No in way. No, not at all. And then you also had the Los Angeles Lakers emerge, who I thought would be a pretty, pretty interesting one. They could put a deal together that looked like KCP, um, either Kuzma, another player, Montrez Harrell, who they haven't really liked. Uh, yeah. you know, THT, a guy who they're kind of bullish on right now too. And it's going to be interesting to see what they can do with Taylor Horton Tucker, because if I'm not mistaken with their cap scenario and the lack of restricted rights on him, I don't think that they can sign him. So it was really interesting to see if him. He's a second round pick. I don't think the, the guarantees are the same, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'll have to look just to make sure, but I'm pretty sure that they're not really able to bring him back. So it was interesting to see him just kind of play it out in Los Angeles, but with all the injuries, you know, they probably figure it's better to let him stay on this team and probably one of those goofy effort. things where they think LeBron's just so fond of him they have to keep him
1: around and like with Shabazz and Hapier situation in Miami, <laughs> like, where ultimately doesn't make a difference. Or he he has looked good a lot of times he's played. Yeah, I, he, and he, that's he what he I'm real, saying. Like real
0: young asset besides Kuzma, maybe. Yeah. But and and maybe they, with you know, all the injuries, they need him. You know, right. on the same regard I was just gonna say, with the, the the lack of
1: of healthy bodies they they have all of a sudden in LA. You know, let's trade our top four. You know, reserve guys to get Kyle Lowry for a few months. You know, let's let's. You know, compromise our depth even more when we're already injured. You know, who would they who would they put out for the rest of the season? They still got to you know finish the regular season and
0: get these guys healthy. So I'm I happy to make that move. It's a LeBron James team, and sometimes you do have to kind of you know make make moves that you typically you wouldn't make if you were the GM on any other team just right. to compete for that title. Because that's mm-hmm. when you when you right. have a player of LeBron James's caliber on your team, you have to compete for titles year in and year out. Like that's just kind of the. The deal you make, you know, you're definitely right about that for sure. All right, and so the player that I want to talk about, who I was surprised that wasn't traded, was Lonzo Ball, and there are a whole lot of reports. uh, His dad, you know, came out of the woodworks and made the comment that he isn't happy in New Orleans, and you know, there are some other articles that I've seen that add a little bit more fuel to that fire. That although he's not happy with New Orleans, you know, he likes the role that he has Like it's very ambiguous and you know, kind of sketchy on whether or not he really likes it there or not. But um, this is a guy that I thought that new Orleans was going to trade because they didn't extend him prior to coming into this season. You know, they did the same thing with Brandon Ingram and it turns out that they did extend him in the off season. And I think this is one of those things to where no one really knows what Lonzo ball's trade value is. You know what I mean? Like, no one really, and we talked about this on the sh- last show that we had when we had Coach follow the can of corner on that, I think letting him play out the rest of the season on this team and letting him hit the free agent market where you have restricted rights on him to where if you think that what everyone else value, values him at is where you value him, then you can match that deal. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if it's not, then you can perform a sign and trade and, and bring assets back in, right? So... I think this is one of those curious cases where the the market for Lonzo ball really isn't definite and it's probably better off that you let him see where, what he can get elsewhere and let him know that we're going to bring you back type thing if, if it works out. And if not, you know, we can do it. We can do a sign and trade, but mm-hmm. it's probably best for you in the scenario to keep playing the way you are because if we don't know your value and we know the most about you, odds are, other teams aren't going to really know what your value is either. And you mm-hmm. might not get the value that you're looking for. So just stay here. Let's play this out. Let's get as far in ahead as we can. Right. Play it. P- look good alongside Zion and Brandon Ingram. And it'll work out for everyone's best, you know, best interest. Mm-hmm. So
1: do you, do you think Lonzo likes playing with Brandon Ingram and, and Zion and being in New Orleans? Cause I think he does.
0: I think he's, he does I think too. Well. I don't, I think that he would dad
1: saying that because he sees who just got paid and who's going to have to get paid and was looking around saying, where's his money going to come from? I think that has more to do with his dad all of a sudden being so privy to all this information. I thought he already got rid of his dad a couple of years ago when he was still with the Lakers when Mm -hmm. all that happened. But I don't know. LaVar's LaVar whatever. Um, it, it,
0: it's bound to happen at some point, right? But I think you're, that
1: you're spot on about the market with Lonzo. I don't know that it's this. I think it's completely different for one team than it is for the next. And mm-hmm. I and New Orleans didn't need to trade him. They don't have to, they have, yeah. like you said, they, they have matching rights in the off season. And if if they only have to match 15, $17 million a year, they probably do that. If the Knicks, you know, coach Foz Knicks could very likely or easily throw quite a bit more than that at him. And if yeah. they do that, maybe then they don't, want to match that and you know they just want to see what the actual they know what they value him at but they don't know what the market really is going to be so to speak probably and they weren't they didn't need to be in a hurry to get rid of him like you said
0: yeah and and here's the thing because they just they just paid Brandon Ingram they're gonna have Steven Adams come off the books they're gonna have Eric Bledsoe come off the books right now Zion Williamson is on his rookie scale contract so Right now he's at a good price point. It's just going to be interesting to see what they can do with Lonzo Ball financially, because at some point they're going to have to shift their attention to Zion Williamson, and you know that he's going to get as much, much, much money as he possibly can. You know that much. So if you can finesse Lonzo Ball, taking in like an eighteen to you know twenty million dollars a year for a a, you know a former number two pick who hasn't really played up to expectations, but is still a very, very could he though. I don't know the expectations. I feel like f-
1: from day one were so high for mm. Lonzo. He was going to have to be so good. Like, I mean, he's, he's you're talking like improved. Jason Kidd level. Yeah. He's improved every year. He's a lot better at things that people said he was never going to get better at.
0: So especially shooting from deep, yes. right? Like he's Big shooting time. better than his little brother who is getting a whole and, lot. Uh, of- I was joking
1: about it the other day, but uh, honestly, does, you know, does Charlotte have cap space because we could see a ball brother's duo you know that would be fun i don't know if if it would be the best thing for Lamelo. i don't know why either brother would w- wouldn't want to do it though i think they they strike me as the type of guys that wouldn't mind playing together i mean i think they think they're better than you know to, as good as anybody i think they've been brought up that way I think the idea that they wouldn't want to get in each other's way or, or be too much of a sideshow for the, the organization is, is insane. They've been a sideshow their entire lives because of their dad, they were, yeah. they had millions of followers on that Facebook watch show that they had. Yeah. And it was, they were being compared to the Kardashians family. You know, they, they've been in the spotlight since Lamelo was a little kid. And I, I think, I think it'd be fun to see them together in Charlotte.
0: Yeah. But again, you know, with, Alonzo Ball not getting traded. I, you know, there were rumors that he was gonna go to New York, that he was gonna go to Chicago. I think Chicago would have been a really f- cool place for him to go. But how much does marketing bring to a team that already is bad defensively with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson? Like, how much, how much value does you that want really to talk give? About a funky lineup,
1: they could play a, a three, four, five of Ingram. Uh, Zion and marketing, that'd be pretty funky. It'd be fun well, to see. All
0: right. Let me preference my whole thing with funk. Defense has to be involved. I mean, okay. you talk about the funky lineups in Toronto, the funky lineup that's going to be taking place in Miami with, you know, Portland. Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, Okiki, Isaac, and probably Wendell Carter Jr. Like there's at least some semblance of defense involved there. Right. We know that if marketing goes with Brandon Ingram and Zion, that's a revolving door in the paint. True. And I, I don't know. I I think there's something to be said. Portland
1: could could possibly put out the worst defensive lineup of all time at certain times if they wanted to. Yeah, if, if you, they were really like interested. Mellow is a small ball five with <laughs> the, th- you know, the three starting guards that are, you know, liabilities on defense. I don't know who the other guy would be, but just
0: probably Covington, just
1: to put yeah, a which, defensive player out there. Right. But that's what I mean. You want to talk about a lineup with no defense. Yeah. So
0: I don't know. I think. I was surprised just because of the fact that I think that when you have a guy on his rookie scale contract who you have restricted free agency rights on and who is a good playmaker and defender and has improved from deep, I'm surprised that teams weren't more active in trying to get Lonzo Ball, I guess is my thing, because we saw other players along that same line, right? Guys who are on that rookie scale contract have been moved before, albeit they're not like the, the focal points of a team, but... You can still get Alonzo Ball, I think, in Chicago. I think that that would have been I what think I wanted. Refer- there's quite a, there were quite a few teams that could really help use his help at point guard position. Uh, quite a few. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Austin, that wraps Chicago up our sure. most surprising players not traded, which ultimately brings us to the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that you want to kind of share with the folks before we cut out of here? Uh, just. All of our many thanks,
1: you know, thanks to off the ball network. Thanks to dash radio. Thanks to the listeners. Thanks to you. Thanks to manscaped. Thanks to Adam silver. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Michael Jordan and LeBron James and everybody in the NBA, you know, <laughs> the reason that you and I are here doing this. Um, yep. you know, I did find you did break my heart a little bit yesterday, but, but I think we've, I recovered, do? we've recovered from there. What did I do? Just your your overall feeling towards the Nets getting all these guys, and, and you know how it hurts my heart to hear that you don't want LeBron James to win again. Well, here's the thing. It, I it's knew like, all
0: along it was true, but hearing it just hurts. Well, here's the thing. It's not that I don't necessarily want LeBron to be successful. It's the fact that what we talked about earlier, that When when the Lakers just won a ring and reloaded their offense, like everyone was like, okay, this is the Lakers season to lose, right? Like, they have everything that they had in store. And then when another team does the same thing, all of a sudden it's like, oh, the NBA is not fair anymore. You know what about competitiveness? Like we've already seen Stephen A. Smith take to Twitter over the weekend because he can't wait until Monday to do his show and talk about, you know, like, hey, I I understand that you want to win, but what about competitiveness and all this other stuff? Like. And again, we talked about how they were like everyone you listen to NBA radio. Not everybody does. Everyone was always talking about how Boston or excuse me, that Brooklyn, there's no way they compete with Milwaukee and Philly because they have no size and then they go and get size and then all of a sudden they make this to be like, oh, they're trying to stop LeBron and then it's just to stop LeBron. It's not to stop LeBron in AD. Now, all of a sudden, AD is an afterthought now beat Embiid to
1: get to LeBron in AD, or beat you know, Giannis and Mm -hmm. the size that Milwaukee has, you know, there's a lot of teams that they have to worry about the size. Exactly. And then it's just to
0: beat LeBron though. It's not LeBron and AD
1: rules. They didn't do anything. Nobody else has done before. I mean, you Mm -hmm. see it every year that LeBron goes somewhere, they win a title the next year, all these, you know, aging vets, you know, pile on the end of the bench to try to win a title. And to be honest, like, LaMarcus Aldridge isn't LaMarcus Aldridge of 2016. Correct. Yeah, Neither is Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin's not Blake Griffin of a few years ago. These guys are are going to be pieces that are going to help, but they're not they're not going to put out a lineup of
0: five all-star caliber of talents like And now like DeAndre you know, Jordan is help. all of a sudden really good again. Like right. out of uh, out of nowhere now all of a sudden DeAndre Jordan means something. Right. And right. it they match up really well against just
1: about any lineup now, though, for sure. Mm-hmm. That helps. And, you know, yeah, I just think it ratchets up the pressure even more. If it wasn't championship or bust before adding adding two or three
0: guys like they have, it's championship or bust now for sure. Absolutely. It's a lot of pressure on a team who hasn't who's only had seven games with their big three together. So, And I don't know about you,
1: but I, I, I honestly feel that LeBron James and Anthony Davis feel almost no pressure now they're they're not going to finish at the top of the west they're 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 hurt you know everybody's talking about the eastern conference and the nets and look how good the jazz are and all the all the kind of storylines and and all the prying eyes are looking elsewhere right now because these guys are are hurt And they're, you know, if they come back in time to play five or six games each before the start of the playoffs and get healthy and get, you know, their rotation set, I think the the Lakers are still going to be a a serious force to be reckoned with for sure. And I I almost think that there's so much pressure on the Nets now to win for sure. That, you know, what are people going to say about James Harden if he has one, a one for 19 game in the finals now and they lose? because he just chokes again or or something happens with Kyrie and or LeBron just an A D or whoever someone else beats him. What if they don't make the finals? Yeah. You know, what's going to be said about this team? Because they're all all in for this year.
0: Like like almost nobody before them. Yeah, exactly. And again, I just I think that there is a little bit of pressure though, because I mean LeBron James isn't just playing against everybody else in the NBA right now. Um, Jeff Hunt, who's the vice president at Off the Ball Network says all the time. And I love how poignant this is, is he's also playing against Michael Jordan at the same time. Like that's, that's the pressure that he has. If it's not anybody in the NBA, it's Michael Jordan's ghost that he's playing against. And, you know, anytime any
1: Jeff has anything to say, it's coming from one of the, one of the goats. So, yeah, Yeah, I mean, he's the the pod father for the reason, right? Right. So Jeff knows, knows his stuff on just about any, any topic you want to do a podcast on. I feel like,
0: yeah, I mean, if you're I invited, felt like,
1: to, I felt that way with Coach Fowl last, last episode. He's just, you know, you kind of set him up and let him go type of guy. He you want you want to hear what those guys have to say because they've been around it for a long, long time.
0: Yeah, him and, and Couch Coach Live as well. Like when when those three they talk, you know, like I may not always agree, but I always listen. You know, like they they always bring up it's something interesting. That you how much different? Just one age group. Two
1: being from them being you know from new york or some of them like coach fob being a a fan his whole life growing up in a big city like new york versus someone like me who's from you know a fairly small town in indiana we have completely different ways we've followed the game but you know it's it's just interesting to see to me it's i love having those
0: guys on they're the best yeah, and just real quick upside alert, UCLA is up seventy nine to seventy two in overtime against Alabama, who I had Ooh. advancing this next round. So I had UCLA losing their playing game, I think. So I had UCLA losing, I think, their playing game as well. So um what do I know? But Arkansas is still alive. Shout out I Arkansas. Say. What what's Arkansas's cheer? What do I yell? Um is it's like- <sighs> I, I, I don't want to do it on here. I, I will get embarrassed, but basically to call the, the hogs, suey. you go, you say, oh,
1: pig, suey.
0: Okay. That's how you call the hogs. Got it. I'll have to I'll have to work on that and practice yeah. it when, when they're in the finals. I can cheer for your guys. There you go. Right now, Gonzaga in Arkansas is still alive. And as long as it stays that way all the way through, I might win a little something, something. But anyway, you go. Gonzaga looks pretty good gonzaga they might be able to play against like houston and minnesota right now like that's Got how good they are talent for sure <laughs> all right awesome but man it's uh, as always it's a pleasure to uh, Yeah, for sure it's been a lot of fun especially when it's just us man like mm-hmm. i love having our guests you know not to discourage anybody from ever coming on to our show and not to sound like i don't appreciate anyone who has come on and help make us to be what we are today but again, you know, at the end of the day, it's just something about when Austin and I could come together and talk shop and get into yeah. subjects a little bit deeper when it's just the two of us. Right, I agree. There's
1: it's a reason. There's a reason we're the co-hosts of the show, man. There's a reason I do this with you every week because it's mm-hmm. it's fun. It's I feel like we're you know accomplishing what we want to accomplish, and
0: it's you know, it's great. It's the best. Absolutely. All right. And before we get out here again, just want to remind everybody that. Support for the show is brought to you by Manscaped. Go and get 20% off and free shipping with the code BTG at manscaped.com. That's 20% B-T-G. off. <laughs> yes, that was a, uh, I felt a little tremble there on, in around my hip area. But um. <laughs> speaking of hip areas, go to manscaped.com and enter in code BTG. Get that 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using promo code BTG unlock your confidence. And as always use the right tools for the job with manscaped. Yes. All right, Austin, Let's get out of here, man. Shout out yeah. to you. Shout out to everybody. Um, please too. go to off Check out we everybody's can, work. It's there's some great stuff
1: there, man, for sure.
0: It's a, it's a collection of goats. It's a goat ranch. It's a dude ranch, a it dude is. goat ranch. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so we'll close out. Yeah. Austin, Appreciate you, man. Shout you out you to nothing, but Shout out to Dash Radio, all of our great sponsors. This has been the Breaking the Game Show Wizard. We'll catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one.